The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome, everybody. This is Sportbox. The headlines this hour. Chinese stocks slip amid U.S.-China trade uncertainty as reports suggest high-level talks will resume in Beijing next week. And President Trump assures discussions are on track. China's going, China's going very well. Talks with China going very well. Thank you, everybody. FedEx shares drop in after-hours trade as the international shipping company cuts its 2019 profit forecast for the second time in three months, warning that the entire global economy is slowing. British Prime Minister Theresa May will formally ask the European Union to postpone Brexit by at least three months as she bids to break the domestic deadlock over her deal. But the EU warns an extension is not a given. Extending the uncertainty without a clear plan would add to the economic cost for our businesses, but could also incur a political cost for the EU. And a jury in the US finds a buyer's roundup weed killer caused a man's cancer and will now determine if the German chemical company is liable, as more than 11,000 lawsuits are set to go to trial in the United States. At this hour, Google rings in changes for Android users as it moves to soothe competition concerns raised by EU antitrust regulators. The tech company also takes its first step into gaming by launching a service that allows gamers to play through platforms such as YouTube. And Lyft's IPO is reportedly oversubscribed on the second day of its roadshow as a broker slaps a buy rating on the ride-hailing startup. Let's take a look at the U.S. markets. Um, this is, I always like this as a great starting point. And if I was training young reporters, many of them would now just go in and say, look, it was a flat session. But that isn't what is going on. There is always, always, always something interesting going on. In the case of the U.S., you had a little hint of it from our headlines as well there as well. But I also want to point out that the Dow Transport Sub-Index, the Dow Transports, were down and had their worst day in eight weeks. And remember when we had that run uh, of nine or so sessions in the Dow Transports that recently fell uh, fairly aggressively as well? Is that sending out a warning? Jeff likes the Dow Transport theory. He likes looking at the historicals on that and what it means for the broader market as well. So that is interesting. The transports were a big, underwhelming performance yesterday. What else is interesting though, I think? Well, that FedEx announcement. The FedEx announcement that the world is slowing, hence that warning we talked about in headlines, hence the shares falling off a little bit as well. So you've got signs that things are slowing down. Are they falling precipitously? I don't think there's evidence for that just yet as well. Is there evidence that the Fed should start rate cutting and should change its current policy of wait and see? Well, let's just have a look and see what the dot plot turns out today, uh, what the FOMC uh, statement is as well, and what Mr. Powell says at 2.30 Eastern time as well. The world is slowing. I think that becomes evident for all of us as well. It's just a question of how dramatic that is and what it means for the markets we are seeing at the moment. Let's have a look at the Asian markets as well. One of the, again, the big headlines I saw is Asian markets pair 
uh, recent gains on the back of concerns about the trade war. And there have been reports, of course, that the Chinese are just taking a step back, rowing back a little bit on perhaps some commitments on IP uh, and leaving a little bit of clearer ground between where the US and China want to be. So we've got 0.9 of 1% down on the Shanghai Composite. To let us move on and take a look at the Chinese markets. Again, the CSI 300 down eight tenths of 1%, nine tenths of 1% for the Shanghai Composite, as I just pointed out. The Shenzhen Composite is down 1.5%. But I'm delighted to say he's back from his Moscow travels. Yes. Excellent interview with Mr. Deripaska. Thank you. I thought um, you asked all the right questions, as ever. Thank I thought you. it was uh, interesting to look at his demeanour, to yes. look at how how fed up he was, really. And uh, yes. given all the events that are going on at the moment, I suppose understandable. Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, he clearly has had a significant impact to his net wealth. And I think he feels that the, the ongoing uh, pressure of sanctions are making it more difficult to operate as a business person, not only uh, in the United States, but obviously in Russia. And I think if, if there was a big takeaway for me, I think the interesting one was how much he suggested the Russians themselves are fearful of secondary sanctions and therefore they are and that's point. adjusting who they're prepared to do business with. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. The fact is there's been quite a good united front from uh, the nomenclature, is that what we can call them? I think it is. Or the, 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 the people in power in Russia. I, we, we, we circle the wagons and we say it's us versus the West as well. But I got the hint from your interview that maybe that's the outside view. But actually internally, people are thinking, crikey, I can't deal with this person because yeah. it may, may, might make me next on the list. Yes, no, I think there is a, a lot of internal division and clearly a lot of internal rivalry. But... Uh, Let's move on. Let's focus on the trade story. We can come back to this at any point if anybody wants to pick it up. But the trade issue, I think, is going to be key for the way markets think about the opportunity today. Face-to-face -face U.S.-China trade talks are set to resume in Beijing next week, according to multiple reports. But a separate report from Bloomberg indicates U.S. officials are worried the Chinese have begun to backpedal on commitments around intellectual property and data protection. That's said to be in response to the Americans refusing to lift existing tariffs in their entirety as part of a deal. Eunice filed this report from Beijing. The major trade negotiators have been in touch for weeks over video conferencing, but now it appears that the two sides believe that it's time for some real-life FaceTime to get the trade deal over the finish line. A senior Trump administration official said that U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin will come here to Beijing next week to meet China's Vice Premier Liu He. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that Liu will then head to Washington the following week. The aim is to get the deal done for a summit between Presidents Trump and Xi by late April. The talks are getting stuck on a couple of key issues. The Americans want an enforceable deal. They want more than promises that China will curtail practices that the Americans think are unfair. They also want the Chinese to agree not to retaliate if the U.S. reimposes tariffs. The Chinese have said that they're fine with something enforceable, but that it has to go both ways. The other big issue is the timing to end the tariffs. The U.S. wants to phase the removal. The Chinese want the tariffs lifted right away. So there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And a reminder, negotiators had hoped to complete the deal for a Trump-Xi summit right about now. But the timing slipped after the Chinese were reportedly spooked when President Trump walked away from a deal with North Korea's Kim Jong-un in Hanoi. Overnight, President Trump repeated that the China talks are going very well. 
at least for now. Yunus Yoon, CNBC Business News, Beijing. Joining us now is Bekard Van Holt, who is Deputy CIO of Credit Suisse. We're also joined by Michelle Girard, who is the Chief U.S. Economist at NatWest Markets. So welcome, good morning to both of you. We have seen the trade impact on world markets and even the United States to the point where we are discussing today as to whether the Fed is going to be cutting back on its medium forecast of dot plots, the cluster of dots that tells us where interest rates are going. What are the expectations in your view? Do you think we'll see a very back to about one rate hike for this year? You know, we actually think that they'll take it down to no hikes. It's very close call whether there's the dot plot implies no further hikes this year or one. But we actually come down on the side that we think, that especially led by Fed Chair Powell, that you'll see them remove any you know predisposition to raising rates. It's more consistent with the message that the Fed really has been signaling, which is that going forward, there's no predisposition about further action. It's going to be completely dependent on the data. And so I think that could be a a positive surprise for the markets to actually see the Fed signaling that there is no uh, expectation necessarily of another action this year. What do you think? Do you think we're going to go straight to a dovish Fed from a patient one where we get right back to zero rate hikes this year? Well, look, overall, do no harm is the overarching objective in monetary policy. And therefore, if in times of doubt, you can always feel comfortable that the Fed is unlikely to rattle markets. And we'll continue to see the Fed provide guidance for more patience and for more accommodative policies, just like the Europeans and all other central bankers will continue to do. Well, the message uh, then for investors is uh, make hay while the sun shines, right? (laughs) I mean, any reason to not take this signal from central banks as a reason to recommit to risk assets. Well, I think that you're you're right. I mean, you're going to see, I think, even beyond the dot plot, you know, you talk about the potential news uh, and in terms of the Fed from the balance sheet, they could send a very, I think, positive signal of support by ending off, you know, their balance sheet runoff. So mm-hmm. a positive surprise from the Fed dovishly will only reinforce what we've seen from central banks around the globe, which is exactly as you say, that we are seeing policies and central banks signaling a need to, to do no, no harm. They're, they're moving and pushing off any thoughts of rate hikes. And, and, and as you, you, know, you think about the potential for, for risk assets, the other thing that we can talk about at some point is even in the U.S., this consideration of the change in their framework for inflation targeting. Will that be sufficient, though, to offset the decline in um corporate earnings forecasts that we're seeing as we run into the next quarter. Because as, as I look at the balance of risks for investors at the moment, whilst the monetary conditions may be easing, there's still this question of whether there is sufficient underlying demand to continue to keep the corporate show on the road, as it were. Well, look, it just shows the irony in markets. I mean, last year was a great year from an earnings perspective, and it was an awful year from an equity market perspective. And this year, it turns to be out to be just okay from an earnings perspective, but to be a nice year so far, so good from an equity market perspective. The reality is markets don't move in sync. They don't move in parallel. But from everything I can see, the U.S. economy is doing just fine. Europe's got troubles of its own, but it's also expanding. And then, you know, in economic expansions, slowly does it. And it's the slow speed of the economy that provides for its legs to run. Um, 
Michelle Burkhart, I, I, I've got a problem. I've got many problems, actually. We'll get to the financial market ones as well. Are we here? Sorry, is Jay Powell there? Is the FOMC there to pump up markets and add liquidity to equity markets primarily as well? Or is he there to offer the right financial conditions to stimulate the US economy? Because if it's the latter, uh, a couple of pieces of evidence. I don't see any problems, as you were quite rightly saying, with the, the, the growth of the US economy compared with the rest of the world, given the fact that we are seeing a global slowdown. It happens. It used to be called the economic cycle before central bankers decided they were going to abandon it. But the US uh, curve, like I'll quote, 2.469% on the two-year, going right out to the third year of a mighty 3%. My second piece of evidence, i.e. what I'm saying is financial conditions are absolutely fine on the interest rates at the moment. Mm -hmm. My second piece of evidence is that there is $9.6 trillion of US non-financial corporate, uh, non corporate debt out there. Companies don't seem to have any problem borrowing money. So what is the Fed there to do is my question. Is it there to pump the markets or is it there to provide liquidity that is badly needed? Well, I think what the Fed is trying to do, of course, is to ensure that the U.S. economics expansion continues. And so at this point, they're looking at policy that appears to be close to neutral while they're at, at basically both their mandates on inflation and unemployment. And so what they're thinking is, is that why should we keep hiking um, and, and, and potentially put the expansion at risk when there's no inflation risk. On the other hand, they, I don't think that there's a desire. The markets are already looking ahead to the next move being a rate cut. But for the reasons that you say, I don't necessarily think that this Fed feels the need to, to be putting in or, or to be thinking about providing that kind of support to be pumping up markets. They're trying to find, I think, a balance of not allowing financial conditions to overheat, which is their greatest risk as they move to a very kind of data dependent patient outlook. The risk is, is that in trying to support the economy by not continuing to hike, they lead to an overheating in financial conditions. And that's the tightrope they're trying to uh, watch. I know right, you want to come right in now. on this one. So all that amazing fiscal stimulus that Trump got through originally and all that wonderful money that central banks have added to market, what have they done with it? We all know exactly what they've done with it. They've added over a trillion dollars in the last year to remuneration to shareholders who probably didn't need it on the back of a massive stock market rally anyway. They haven't yeah. used it for CapEx and they haven't used it for infrastructure. Exactly. So here you go. I mean, the narrative that the Fed's pumping up the market is a popular one, but that doesn't make it any more reliable. The reality is, since quantitative easing started 10 years ago, if you look at how pension funds and similarly so private investors acted, the reality is pension funds across the world 10 years ago held more equities and more cash than are holding today. All that QE did was it forced pension funds to lower their allocations to equities and cash for negative carry and equities for trauma and to shift that into bonds and property. So it wasn't the central bank's balance sheet that's been driving Amazon's share price. It's been Amazon's earnings which has been driving the share price. We have to leave it there for the moment. I, I love this conversation. I, get so, I can't believe I get so excited every morning about the same conversation. <laughs> uh, plus, there's a structural change, I was going to say, which is the de-equitisation, which has meant that those pension funds haven't got so many places to put their money as well. Michelle Burkhart, we'll leave it there for the moment. We'll come back to you both. Uh, FedEx shares, this is the real word, world. FedEx shares dropped over 5% in after-hours trade after the delivery company slashed 2019 profit forecast. The company blamed slowing macroeconomic conditions and weaker global trade growth trends. Uh, it's the second cut in three months for FedEx, which has been struggling to integrate the Dutch company TNT Express. Do you remember when that, by the way, that takeover was supposed to take out the opposition, take out the competition uh, and firm prices? 
just, just saying, anyway, uh, after it acquired it in 2016. The CEO, Fred Smith, told CNBC the company is optimistic about the future and hailed the Trump administration's trade negotiations with China. There's a lot of pressure on the Chinese economy. Don't forget that. We don't agree with the use of tariffs uh, the way the president has done it, and we've said that. Having also uh, made that point, let me say again that the terms of trade between China and the United States need to be changed. They have to be changed. And in that regard, he's doing exactly the right thing. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.